0: Jack Evelyn here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, gas prices are still up there, but you've got some good news. I do have good news, Jack. We have lots of different models that are going to help with that issue. I've got the Nissan Sentra, Versa, that all get over 30 miles to the gallon. In fact, the Versa gets 40 miles to the gallon. Wow. Our all-electric Aria has a range of 269 miles. And then on the Chevy side, Trax, Malibu, Equinox and Trailblazer, all over 30 miles to the gallon. And our brand new Blazer EV, 320 miles of range. Lots of great options. Stop and see Matt and the gang here. Graph of Ocamus. They're making friends. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer today, Boston Rob. Rob, uh, before we turn the page from the National Championship game, and I know there are some Michigan fans out there that hope we never do that. I want to welcome in Jim Gum. He is the brains and the elbow grease behind the Blitz newsletter, the number one newsletter in the country, and a guaranteed way for you to win some free lunches. Jim, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I wish we had seen a more competitive national championship game. Uh, Michigan struck early and often and uh, frustrated Michael Penix, Jr. And now we just have to wait and see if the Wolverines can beat the NCAA. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be
1: interesting to see what happens uh, down the road of, uh, concerning Michigan and the
0: NCAA. So what was your number one takeaway from the game last night? Well, the, the Michigan just, you know, they are their physical uh, nature,
1: they just... Hmm? You know, they're just so physical, and they just uh, – I think they had the mindset that, you know what, we're going to just show you that we're – you know, we have the more physical team. I know that they won the Joe Moore Award. I'm talking about Washington's offensive line. But, I mean, Michigan was putting pressure on Pennix all night, and they didn't have to rush to do – I mean, uh, Blitz to do it. They were doing it with four and five guys. So, you know, they, that way they, they were able to drop their guys in, you know in the, in the secondary. He couldn't complete anything deep. Everything he threw was a short, quick pass because that's all that he could do. So I was just very impressed with Michigan's defensive, uh, um, the way that they played defense last night. more than anything.
0: He had a couple of shots deep, uh, open receiver that he barely overthrew and another one that was called back on what some people would consider to be a a phantom foul. But nonetheless, it was Michigan's game, and uh, no one play was going to change that. I thought the Michigan running game was terrific and uh, took advantage of the opportunities there and then some explosive plays, and Michigan got more big gains on the ground than Washington got through the air. Yeah, that was surprising. that, that You would have thought, listen, it wasn't surprising that Michigan got some
1: big plays on the ground. It was surprising that Washington really never did get a big play yeah. via the air. But, but once again, he just didn't have time. And like I said, yeah. the one the one pass to, you know, on that fourth down where he just missed the wide-open receiver, that was one of their best opportunities. And if he completes that, eh, you never know how the complexion of the game changes.
0: But I right. was just so impressed with that relentless pass rush that Michigan had. We'll never know this, and it really doesn't matter. But uh, what would a Michigan-Georgia game have looked like? I think it would have been a, a,
1: an NFL-looking game. A lot of, uh, um, I think it, you would have seen a lot of uh, uh, um, a lot of field goals. Uh, I think you would have seen. They, I think both teams would have been able to move it on each other, but once they get into the red zone, I think that would have made it more difficult. And I think you would have seen a lot of teams or a lot of a lot of possessions settling for field goal attempts. And I think it would have been, you know, like in the in the low twenties. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been a blowout either way. I think Michigan, yeah. they could play with anybody. I mean, yeah. I know the Georgia team from last year. The Georgia team from this year is really good. Not as good as the team from last not, not year. Not like
0: last year, no. If like Georgia and before.
1: Michigan played, I think it would have been a coin toss. I really do.
0: Uh, you lot talk about the top 30 preseason teams. You go back with your rankings. You had Georgia 1 and Michigan was six. At that point, um, two was Ohio State, three USC, four Clemson, five Alabama. And then at the end of the season, the top six were Michigan, Washington, Georgia, Texas, Alabama, and Oregon. Can you pick a team which was the greatest surprise or overachiever and uh, the greatest disappointment or dud? I, well, the biggest surprise was to me with, I don't know if that you're just,
1: Including the teams that you mentioned, but but Missouri, I didn't see this yeah, happening yeah. with Missouri at all. Uh, I didn't see Missouri doing what they did. Um no. that's the biggest surprise team on a positive note mm-hmm. um, from from that standpoint was the Missouri Tigers. I, I, and I'll tell you another one. I agree. Nor- Northwestern. I mean, I know yeah, that they're yeah. not ranked in the AP, but nobody saw a team going from one and eleven to eight and five. Um, What a tremendous coaching job done there.
0: And they were two of the three choices on my coach of the year ballot this morning. Uh, What about the greatest letdown? Who would that be?
1: Oh, my gosh. I guess it'd have to be Southern California. I really thought those guys would compete for the national championship. Yeah. Um, I would have to sit there and say that would be my biggest disappointment. Uh, I know there was other teams out there that, that had high expectations that fell flat. I mean, Florida, a lot of people didn't really predict high things for them, but I don't think anyone predicted what kind of season they ended up having. But USC, with you know the, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner coming back and all these weapons, and they just just could not play defense. They couldn't stop anybody.
0: What about the bowl games? And you list them all here. You go through it. And uh, also <clears> – <throat> List the attendances, which I I found very interesting, very disappointing in most cases. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, the best bowl game of the year and the one that was the biggest surprise would be? I think the best bowl game. I, I love the way that
1: Clemson-Kentucky game. I um, mean, Kentucky yeah. was, I thought they had that game won, and yeah. then all of a sudden here comes Clemson, and and they came back and they won that game. So, to me, that was one of the more intriguing You know, low level bowl games, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I would put that in with the two seventy five. The LSU Wisconsin game was a great game too. I mean, Wisconsin, you know, had had the game, you know, going their way all the way
0: till the end. Um, Those two games probably stood out more than any other. Uh, Was there a bigger dud than Tennessee thirty five Iowa zero?
1: That was almost too easy to predict, Jack. I mean, the, the, right. the, I mean I mean I am I have been watching college football for a long long time. Yeah. And I don't know if I've ever seen a more inept offense than the Iowa Hawkeyes showed, yeah. especially yeah. the latter part of this season. They just could not they couldn't move the ball. I mean, it was just yeah. it was almost uh, uh painful to watch at times. Now, that one really. I mean, when 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 Tennessee got up 14 nothing
0: I thought this game's over. Yeah, so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure what to make of Tennessee without Joe Milton. We saw that they have another terrific quarterback in waiting, but I knew that Iowa was going to be hard pressed to get on the scoreboard. And Jim, I don't think I've ever seen a team that was a ten-win team, and we're not talking about a team that was one and eleven. A ten-win team uh, get beaten sixty-one to nothing in its last two games. Yeah. I mean, and just not competitive on the offensive side.
1: And, listen, you can only ask your defense to do so much. Um, I, I, I tip my hat to the Iowa defense because, listen, they're on the field so much. They're, they're always in a bad – you know, the, with the offense lacking uh, the ability to move the ball, the other teams only got about a half a field to go. They don't have to go the full 80 yards. A lot of times they've got to go, you know, 55 maybe 60 yards, and it puts so much pressure on that
0: defense. Yeah, you also go through the FCS bracket, which is very interesting if, if you follow that, and uh, it's more than one level of football being played. But you show us what the college football playoff bracket is going to look like down the road. And I think it's very interesting to, to think of what we're going to be talking about a year from now with the 12-team CFP, how do you see that working out? And I imagine that there are some changes that will be made after they get a good look at it. Well, what the the thing
1: that you have, if you look closely at it, is that you're going to have college football games played on Friday, Saturday. That's the first round. The mm-hmm. quarterfinals, Tuesday, Wednesday. Because, mm-hmm. Jack, the NFL owns the weekend's. Yeah. Uh, that part of the year, and college football knows that, so they're late to the party. So that's why you're going to see college football playoff games being played on Tuesday, Wednesday in 2024, and then, uh, and the, and the uh, semifinals will being on Thursday and Friday, and then in 2025 you'll have a Wednesday, Thursday, and a Wednesday, Thursday again. So, I mean, you're going to have a lot of weeknight college football games, and people are going to like it because uh, you're going to have a lot of fans that you know. Maybe they can't get off work. Maybe they can't go yeah, to the games, yeah. you know. And and I think it's really one of these things where you know it's
0: not it's not like these are all games be played on New Year's Day. Right. We're we'll talking about well, now. You know, the new well, championship game is on Monday, so people are probably missing two days of work. Yeah. The, uh, the, for the semifinals. That one too. Uh,
1: the semifinals are going to be like January 9th and tenth next year. Yeah. So that's a Thursday, Friday. So you know, you, you know, first of the year. I mean. I think they're putting a lot yeah. of uh, it's a lot of stress on the fans that want to attend these games. Yeah. And the fact of the matter, you think about this. Let's say you go to the quarterfinals, that, that bowl game. Then you go to the semifinals, another bowl game. Yeah. I mean, how much money these fans have got to fork over? And sometimes you're going to have to pick and choose. Well, I'm going to assume we're going to win this game, and we'll hold off and try to go to the semifinal. Right. But, you know, right.
0: I, I, I just think that you're you're just putting a burden on some of these fan bases. And of the twelve teams competing, uh, the first four—one, two, three, and four—will have a first-round bye. Teams five, six, seven, and eight will have home games. Right. So on December twentieth and twenty-first, and I can tell you what the weather was like those days. Uh, you're going to have uh, games here. Wouldn't it be something if uh, Big Ten teams are hosting SEC teams? Or ACC teams, and uh, you've got a game in Ohio Stadium or Michigan Stadium or uh, who knows. But it would that would be, be fun. It would be fun. It'd be. I, I don't know if you see. know this, Jack, but but Notre Dame cannot
1: um, get a bye in the in the bracket. They're, oh, they're I did not know recor- that. Yeah, but Notre you have to be a conference champion to oh, get one of those top right. four seeds, and with Notre Dame being an independent. They have they, man, listen, and listen. Notre Dame they don't ever play in a conference championship game. So, but they're guaranteed if Notre Dame makes it, they're guaranteed to play in uh, one of those first round games anytime they make the
0: playoff. Now, even if they're the number, if they're the number one team in the nation, right? They still have to play in a first round game. If they're the only undefeated team, they don't get a first round bye. That's interesting. They do not get a bye. That's correct. I really enjoyed your section on conference realignment, Jim. And talking about conferences, where they were, and uh, <laughs> what happened to them when they moved, who had the most successful move this year?
1: You mean as far as
0: teams that went from one conference to another yeah, conference yes. this year? Yeah. I,
1: you know, And you, you'd have to say that Jacksonville State uh, made a great move, yes. and Liberty did as well. Yes, yes. Uh, those two teams, you know, um, um, and, and Liberty, I mean, they've been in the FBS for a few years. Jackson State, they went from the FCS all the way to, uh, you know, right. uh, and and, and uh, Sam Houston. I mean, no, excuse me, but to James Madison also. So those three yeah. teams probably as much as anyone. But uh, um, no, but Jacksonville State, their first year moving up to Conference USA from the FCS, probably them based on yeah. the way that they have, uh, you know, they have to make that adjustment.
0: that's right. That, and then the adjustment that goes – From moving up to uh, the FBS level. All right. Of the teams that are moving, uh, all but two from the Pac 12, uh, and then you have some others here that are sliding around. Mm -hmm. uh, Which of those teams are you most intrigued by how they will do in their new environment next fall?
1: Well, I mean, the the, the six that stand out um, obviously are the four coming to the Big Ten. You got Oregon, Washington. USC, UCLA, and then Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. So uh-huh. of those six, I would probably say I'm more interested to see how Texas is going to do yeah. based on the success they just had. Yeah. And I do believe Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA are going to make a little bit of a smoother transition because uh-huh. they're going to be playing you know each other quite a bit there because right. the Big Ten is going to help them out scheduling-wise. But it's, I'm curious to see how this Texas and Oklahoma, how they adjust to the SEC, especially Texas. I think Oklahoma is more um, – they seem to fit the mold of your SEC-type programs mm-hmm. a little bit more in Texas. To me, uh, Jack, I always thought if Texas were to move conferences, that they would have been the one team that goes to the Big Ten, not to the SEC. So that mm-hmm. one always surprised me because I never thought that Texas A&M – would even have anything to do with Texas coming into their own league. I I'm, and, and boy, I know some, I know some uh, Texas A&M uh, people, yeah. and they are to this day they are ticked off big time
0: that the SEC allowed Texas to come to the SEC. Well, big I can time. tell you that there are Nebraska people who didn't want anything to do with Texas either, and that's one of the reasons that uh, the Cornhuskers left and moved to the Big Ten. They didn't like Texas having its own TV deal and everything else. Well,
1: you, you do know that the Longhorn Network will uh, have to go away once, I think, yeah. ju- is it July July 1st or uh,
0: June 30th will be the last yeah. day that the Longhorn Network will be on the air. Well, the Longhorns did play an SEC team this year and uh, beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So maybe on the field uh, they'll, right. they'll be all right. Uh, you look at the players they have back. They should be pretty good. They should. They should. So I I think the big question there, Jack, is
1: is Quinn Ewers, is he going to stay or is he coming out?
0: Well, they've got a a guy named uh, Arch Manning waiting in the wings, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's ready, but uh, it's not like Texas is bereft of talent if one player leaves. Yep. Uh, You talk about coaches of the year going back through, looking at that list. And uh, I don't see any repeat coaches of the year. Are you talking about the the, the, the first
1: time coach of the
0: year? Yeah, that's first, the first first year coaches it, of the it, year.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that. Actually, I should have renamed it. It's called the oh, Steve Spurrier First Year Coach of the Year. But these are guys oh, that okay. their first year at that particular school, and like you. you know, like a couple years ago, you had Josh Hopple and Shane Beamer tied, but that's their first year at that particular school. That's what that award is. And, and the reason, and 2023, they haven't announced it yet. I was like, okay, when are y'all going to announce this thing? They've got three
0: semifinals. I'm like, all right, that's all right. So we'll just uh, list the three guys that are in the running this year. We're talking with Jim Gum from the Blitz Newsletter. It is the best way to follow college football on a regular basis. Every week, it's a must-read. Uh, I'm looking at the non-conference records for conferences, and as you group them together. Maybe it tells us something, Jim, that uh, the two best conference records against out-of-conference opponents belong to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Uh, Pac-12 teams only lost seven games outside of the conference. Big Ten teams only lost nine. And who meets for the national championship? Those two conferences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they all, between the SEC,
1: the Pac-12, and Big Ten, they, they all had you know over seventy five percent of their non conference games, including the bowls, were victories. So it just goes to show that there's a significant uh, you know um, advantage that those teams have. They just the resources and the players they get just uh, they just dominate. Of course now the Pac twelve is, is goodbye. So yeah, but uh, but the Big Ten is getting the four best teams from the Pac twelve, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Rob, uh, there were three teams this year that were ranked number one at some point. Three. I think you can guess two of them. Uh, Do you know the third one that was number one? And it was number one for two weeks.
1: Hmm. Don't be on here, Jim. Well, this is the Blitz now. This isn't the AP. This is
0: the Blitz. Well, that means more. I vote in the AP poll, but I'm more interested (laughs) in the Blitz. So... Uh, it was a it's a, a pretty pretty big rival of the team that won last night. Yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, uh, State. October twentieth yeah. and okay. uh, November fifth. So the Buckeyes were there. They had it, and I think you can write off the bowl game because of the opt outs. Yeah, but uh, yeah. you you wonder as close as the Ohio State Michigan game was in Ann Arbor, and it was a one play game. If that had gone differently, if Ohio State would be the national champion today? We'll never know. I know this much. You
1: wouldn't have seen all the opt-outs. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, they're in a play- and that's the one thing about the 12-team playoff. Hopefully we won't see any guys opting out of playoff games. I mean, I just I can't imagine uh, a guy opting out. Now, if they want to enter the transfer portal... That's one thing, uh, but just to opt out to, to risk you know, injury or you know, to save himself from injury, I hope we don't see too many of that happening in the playoffs. Now, you're going to continue to see that in their other bowl games, but uh, hopefully the playoffs will allow the, the guys to you know, say, hey, I'm, I'm going to get on the field with my brothers, and we're going to
0: fight to the end. Mm-hmm. You also break down how every conference did, every conference, In bowl games since 2006, fascinating to see which conferences have traditionally been strong in postseason play, which have come and gone, and then you go through all the conference standings and all the things that that we would expect, but I want to go back to the bowl game attendance figures, and I think this is reflective of opt-outs and... Fans now saying, well, you know, what does this game really mean? Uh, what surprised you, if anything, or do you think this is a trend that's going to continue and maybe intensify for any team that's not in a 12-team playoff? Well, I, I can say this. I, I know there were several bowl games where
1: uh, I looked at the, the bowl attendance numbers that they posted yeah. And I watched the games, and I'm like, there's no way there are yeah. that many fans there. So uh, I even think these bowl – I think some of these bowl attendance numbers are inflated. I think the yeah. attendance is worse than what it shows us. But I don't know how you can maintain and continue to operate a bowl if you're not even gain, having, you know, 20,000 people show up. you, you uh, got, was... you know, yeah. 16,000, 11,000, 7,000. How do you continue? How, does, how do you stay in the black? You know,
0: I don't know how yeah. these these bowls are not going bankrupt. Well, would you want to go and support your team, even if you've been a season ticket holder for 30 years, when you don't know who's going to play?
1: Right, and, and think about this. I mean, let's use Syracuse for an example. You know, they, they got waxed uh, by South Florida. They played down in Florida, so it's a humongous advantage for South Florida as far as the fans yeah. Syracuse fans, are they going to travel all the way, you know, maybe 1,500 miles down to watch their team play when you got guys opting out? I think there's just a, it's a problem, especially for teams that have to travel. Uh, fans don't want to fork over that much money to watch a team they don't even recognize. I know this. I know there were some Ohio State fans who decided they weren't going to go to their, the bowl yeah. game to watch against Missouri when they found out some of the guys that were opting out. They're like, I don't want to go watch this isn't the Ohio State yeah. team
0: I've been watching all year right. so yeah it's, it's only it's a appropriate problem. the fans would opt out
1: especially so. for the teams that have to travel a yeah. long distance because it's expensive yeah. for Big Ten oh, fans yeah. to go to bowl games because it's not like they can just hop in the car and three hours later be at the at the site right whereas right. the SEC you know there's a huge advantage for SEC fans because all they got to do is jump in their car and they're at a bowl site.
0: Jim, I also want to thank you, before we let you go, uh, with the last items uh, in the Blitz this week, you included. And uh, that is the postseason NFL records. And as we get ready for the playoffs, it is going to be so handy to have these here. And I know exactly who I'm going to call with some sucker bets on this. <laughs> so, uh, But this is great stuff, and it's a terrific companion to be uh, by your favorite chair as you're watching the playoffs, Jim, very quickly, can you tell us again how to get the Blitz?
1: Yeah, anyone that's out there listening and they would like this uh, season wrap-up issue, uh, just give me a uh, just shoot me an email, JimGum.Blitz at yahoo.com. That's jimgum Blitz at yahoo.com. I'll shoot this to you, and I think you'll enjoy it. And like Jack said, uh, I'll even shoot to the one that has the NFL postseason. Uh, schedule that's going on this coming weekend. It has some great uh, stats and everything. So I'll include that issue if that's what you'd like. So that's, that's the best way to reach out to me.
0: To everyone who craves a handcrafted treat, let our team member Sephora tell you about a Culver's favorite.
1: We make our thick and creamy fresh frozen custard in small batches all throughout the day. And we mean all day, every day. From our supremely rich shakes and concrete mixers to our freshly scooped dishes and cones, we handcraft every bite to pure perfection.
0: Come to Culver's and get a taste of our fresh frozen custard. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to delicious. Hey Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day and you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store, or shop anytime at AlumniHall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall.
1: Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to
0: deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Medawar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Metawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. To everyone who wants a meal made just for you, let our team member Arish share what makes Culver's special. We know the best meals are the ones shared with the people you love, like our cook-to-order butter burgers and our real Wisconsin cheese curds. And there's no better way to treat yourself than our creamy, fresh, frozen custard. I put the same care into your meal that I would for my own family. Come to Culver's for a meal made the Wisconsin way. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to delicious. Jack Evelyn here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okamas. Matt, gas prices are still up there, but you've got some good news. I do have good news, Jack. We have lots of different models that are going to help with that issue. I've got the Nissan Sentra, Versa, that all get over 30 miles to the gallon. In fact, the Versa gets 40 miles to the gallon. Wow. Our all-electric Aria has a range of 269 miles. And then on the Chevy side, Trax, Malibu, Equinox and Trailblazer, all over 30 miles to the gallon. And our brand new Blazer EV, 320 miles of range. Lots of great options. Stop and see Matt and the gang here. Graph of Okamas, they're making friends.